Our second scripture lesson is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Now, God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. There are two little girls up there. Let them know their daddy is okay. These are the words that Wesley Autry yelled up from beneath a train, lying atop another man who had fallen into the subway tracks in New York City after having a seizure. Do you remember this story? I certainly do. And I was so utterly astounded. In 2007, Autry was taking his two young daughters, four and six years old, home on the subway before work, which they did every day of the week. Suddenly nearby, another man on the platform started convulsing and stumbled and fell between the two subway tracks. The headlights of the number one train appeared. I had to make a split decision, Mr. Autry said. And so he made one, and he leapt. Mr. Autry lay on the man, his heart pounding, pressing him down in a space roughly a foot deep. The train's brakes screeched, but it could not stop in time. Five cars rolled before the train stopped. The cars passing, passing inches above his head, smudging his blue-knit cap with grease. 
Mr. Autry heard onlookers screams. We're okay down here, he yelled, but I've got two daughters up there. Let them know their father's okay. He heard cries of wonder and applause. Called the subway Superman and the Harlem hero, Wesley Autry became a national hero. So many people were moved by his selflessness and bravery. The heroic names were endless. But he didn't know the man he saved and had no reason to act the way he did. He put his own life at risk, potentially leaving his children fatherless as his tiny daughters watched as the train rolled over their dad. But something moved Wesley, compassion for another human being, and he decided to act. One newspaper headline aptly described him as Good Samaritan Man Saves Man on Subway Tracks. So I'm sure many of us are thinking, could I possibly do the same thing? Do I have the courage to jump as Autry did? What would I have done that day if I'd been in the same situation? On the road to Jerusalem, Jesus, still traveling with the 70 disciples, is approached by a local attorney who is looking to make Jesus appear foolish. Attempting to put him on the witness stand and cross-examine him, the lawyer starts asking questions. Just what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? In typical Jesus fashion, he answers with another question. Well, you're the lawyer. What does the law say? As a faithful Jew, the man replies, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replies, you got it. But the man presses on. But who is my neighbor? Unsatisfied, he wants clear set parameters to narrow down the list of people he can truly discern as worthy of his attention. But let's be clear, he knows the answer to this. He would know the Hebrew scripture well, including Leviticus 19, which he would have heard all of his life. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And also, when an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. It couldn't be any more explicit. Foreigners are to be citizens of God just as Jews. God's statutes mean that all people are to experience life, even those who are not Jewish or ritually clean or all those qualifications this guy is looking for. And so Jesus wasn't having any of this and launched into a story 
Traveling on the well-worn road between Jerusalem to Jericho, a man is beaten and left for dead by robbers. Left in a ditch, two other people pass by, a priest and a Levite, but hurry on, unwilling to stop. Maybe they were afraid, or maybe they had other urgent matters. We don't know. What is known is that those characters should have stopped, and they didn't. Jesus starts telling about a third traveler on the road. And so those Jews who are listening to Jesus' story would then anticipate that the next person to stop by would then be an Israelite. But Jesus turns their expectations upside down and introduces a shocking, reviled character, a Samaritan. Imagine that the audience hearing this story would have gasped in surprise. Where is Jesus going with this? This parable assumes that we and those listening to Jesus' tale know their stories, stories based on bitter tension, right worship, social ostracism, and hearsay. Though distantly related, Samaritans and Jews did not live together because of their differences. They each claimed to have built the rightful temple for God, creating bitter hostilities between them. They agreed on virtually nothing, avoiding each other whether they knew the other or not. And so the shocking nature of hearing that a Samaritan humbled himself and helped this wounded man is staggering. It is unheard of. Some years ago, a famous experiment was conducted with seminary students. I see a couple pastors out there today. Researchers gathered a group of ministry students in a classroom and told them they each had an assignment. Their assignment was to record a talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. The thing was, the recordings were going to be done in a building on the other side of the campus. And because of a tight schedule, they needed to hurry to this building. Unbeknownst to the students, on the path to the other building, the researchers had planted an actor to play the part of a man in distress, slumped in an alley, coughing and suffering. The students were going to make a presentation about the Good Samaritan. But what would happen, the researchers wondered, when they actually encountered a man in need. Would they be good Samaritans? Well, no, as a matter of fact, they were not. Almost all of them rushed past the hurting man. One student even stepped over the man's body as he hurried to teach about the parable of the good Samaritan. We each carry stories of how we think the other lives, no matter how hard we try to deny it. The story the Samaritan carried and told himself about Jews could have been one of disgust and of disgrace. But regardless, regardless, he stops. He acknowledges this man, he encounters him and draws near, and he seeks to restore him. And so this, this is a new story, an unheard one that Jesus uses to explain exactly who is our neighbor. 
And yet the one doing the neighboring is none other than that Samaritan. Through Jesus, we learn that we do not have to be held captive by those rigid stories we think we know about others. Jesus flips our expectations as he does time and again. He flips them on their heads, and then he helps us reorient ourselves to who is before us. Another person of God that God desires and cares deeply for, and that God uses to heal even us. A person of God who risks aiding another child of God. For many of us, we can recite this parable by heart. Regardless, it's one we need to hear desperately more than ever. It seems that the ditches are deeper and filthier and more dangerous than ever. The roads are crowded with all kinds of people, and yet victims of oppression, of hardship, broken relationships still remain half-dead along the way, ignored or even further beaten. And unfortunately these days, I think many of us, myself included, may identify more with the lawyer than we'd like to admit. And so perhaps it's advantageous that the gospel reading for today is this lectionary for this week as we witness this dialogue between a lawyer and Christ. In the last two weeks, the Supreme Court alone has pr produced enough for us to debate Continued gun violence, even on the 4th of July holiday, plague us, and we continue to justify demonizing the other, those that we have deemed unable to be understood. Scholar Joy J. Moore writes, if we are indeed trying to see Christ in one another, most every one of us has become the lawyer, approaching Jesus with a test question. In our mind, like the lawyer, having the right answer is insufficient because we desire to justify ourselves. In, doing, in so doing, we safeguard both our righteousness and the righteousness of others, right? In our nonstop access to events, headlining global news, the, tempt the temptation is to assert the answer, provide the principle, give the questioner the response they seek, often one that traps the responder. By now, we should expect Jesus to turn the tables on his interrogator. The power of this story comes from implications that would not be lost on its first century audience. The hero of this story is no less than shocking. And so the Samaritan, avoided by Jews, again, approaches, encounters, and uses his own resources to bind the half-dead man's wounds. He provides further care. No cost is too much and ensures his safety at an end. He does not interrogate the man, seek to define his identity, or even want to understand who this person is. He is simply another human being, one in distress that needs care. And so he makes every endeavor to ensure he heals and is restored. And so at the end of the story, at the end of this parable, Jesus flips the lawyer's 
question on its head from who is my neighbor to which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He turns the question from defining a neighbor to how are we neighboring to others we encounter? The emphasis is on acting, not on defining. It's not who is right and who is wrong. It's about life. And how do we provide that life matters for everyone, especially those in the ditches, which, let's be frank, some of us may be there ourselves, lying in those ditches. But we are not to be bystanders in God's kingdom. We are to be full participants that work to make God's abundant life known to all people, especially those who live in ditches. The lawyer, the lawyer can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He simply says to Jesus, it's the one who showed him mercy. That's who was the neighbor. Preacher Tom Long writes, what the lawyer discovered and what we discover too is that we cannot stand on the sidelines and figure out how to be good, defining our terms, is this person my neighbor or not, figuring out just what we have to do to inherit eternal life. For all of our religious virtues and attitudes, we just cannot do it. We are helpless to be good Samaritans on our own strength. In other words, we are the person in the ditch the one who lies helpless and wounded beside the road, the one who needs to be rescued. And along comes a good Samaritan, a good Samaritan named Jesus, despised and rejected, who comes to save us, speaks tenderly to us, lifts us into his arms, and takes us to the place of healing. As Paul said, while we were still God's enemies, God saw us in the ditch and had compassion, and then Jesus came to save us. We were once strangers to God, crying out for mercy, and God chose to look at us full in the face and say, I have you and I always will. Christ came and rescued us from that ditch of darkness and chaos and binds our wounds. And so now he commands us, go and do likewise. Amen.